AdamandEve.com is the world's number one online source for adult toys. And I'm Horrified is the world's number one source for nightmares, aren't we, Sam? We so are. So, we've joined forces to bring you some sweet deals. Use our offer code HORROR at checkout for 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's H-O-R-R-O-R. AdamandEve.com. We're not horrified at all. Hello, everyone. Good morning, listeners, and good afternoon, and good evening. You got it. (laughs) Well, I just, a lot of people listen to this right when they wake up, but some people might listen to it later in their days, and no matter what, I hope they're having a nice day. Whatever time you're listening to this episode, uh, welcome to I'm Horrified. We're your hosts. I'm Allie Rayner. And I'm Sam Buntish. And we're just glad you're here. No matter the time of day. No matter the time. Again, we'll reiterate. <laughs> anytime. Anytime, place. We'll be here. That's the beauty of a podcast. Yeah, during work. Yeah. While you're supposed to be doing something else. Mm-hmm. That's when I'd prefer you listen to this podcast. Yes. I want you to use this podcast as an escape from your horrible yeah. coworker. Your, who just keeps nagging you. Your kids are, like, fighting and being <laughs> terrible. Absolutely. Your husband is distant. He has been for years. Yes. You're on um, public transit, and there's it's so tightly packed in there. Yeah. You can't tell if the man behind you is sexually assaulting you, or if he just can't be any further away, because yeah. it's so packed. We want to be there for you at that moment. Absolutely. Um, that happened to me the other day when I was literally like, should I be mad at this man, or is he also just a victim of yeah, circumstance? Yeah, sometimes I look back and they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm so sorry, and... I don't forgive them. No. Never do. But Sam, what are you going to talk about today? Today I am going to talk about genetic sexual attraction. Ew. Yep. (laughs) That's the presiding I don't know what you're going to talk about, but ew. And (laughs) I'm going to talk about Little Albert. And I don't know what that is, but I'm very excited to learn. Are you? No, I I know it's going to end up horrifying me, but I'm... You, you always bait me with your sparkling eyes. I think this one's going to be fun, and it never is. Spoiler alert. It sucks. No. It <laughs> it's not so bad. Okay. Anywho, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> oh, God. It's gross. I, okay. You don't have to. <laughs> <sighs> I'm going to talk about it. Talk well, about no, it. I'm going to. There's some salacious stuff in here, but, like, in the end, there's an important message, so. Salacious. Yeah. So. Genetic sexual attraction, or GSA, is a term for an overwhelming sexual attraction that may develop between close blood relatives who first meet as adults, often parents and children who are separated at birth. Yeah, so already, I'm just gonna say it, I'm horrified. Oh, there we are. Um, Before I even launch into the story, I want to make an important distinction here. GSA is very specifically about sexual attraction that forms between blood relatives who meet as adults. GSA is not any situation where a parent or a guardian or an older relative is taking advantage of a younger relative. That is an important distinction. Yeah, that is child sexual abuse. Yep. And it's one of the most awful things ever in the whole world. Yeah, that we don't even want to talk about. Yeah, so the stories that I tell today are going to be stories of GSA and not stories of child sexual abuse. That being said, if an unfair power dynamic in relationships is triggering for you, maybe proceed with caution. Oh, good to know. But like I said, none of this is a child. Right. Anything happening to a child. So, to understand genetic sexual attraction, you have to understand something about attraction in general, 
which is that basically we all just want to have sex with ourselves. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> yes, that noise, but looking in a mirror. Yeah. Um, this phenomenon is called assortative mating, and here is the sciency definition. Oh. Assortative mating is a mating pattern and form of sexual selection in which individuals with similar phenotypes mate with one another more frequently than would be expected under a random mating pattern. I'm gonna break that down. Please. What that means is that we are attracted to people who act like us, who have the same socioeconomic background, the same family upbringing, the same religious beliefs, etc. We can all kind of agree that's not controversial. Yeah. This goes even beyond that. We are attracted to people who look like us. Seriously? Yeah, like there have been studies done and people who are married are more likely to have a similar height, span of arm, and forearm length than like two random strangers on the street. Uh, And also a study was done with men, to which I'm just like, typical men. A study was done where men looked at three photos of women and had to rate which they found the most attractive. And overwhelmingly, they chose a face that was actually their face, but slightly feminized. That sounds like men. Yep. (laughs) But hey, women must be doing it too, if that's a science thing. Exactly. And generally speaking, spouses are more genetically similar than two randomly chosen strangers. So like... Statistically speaking, you probably have more in common with your spouse genetically than you have in common with, like, a person on the street. You're more related to them. Your DNA is more closely alike. That's wild and icky. I know. Um, There are a few theories about why this happens, but the why is not super important to this story. What is important is that we want to fuck ourselves, and the more similar the better. Now you might be wondering... If we want to fuck people who look, act, and are genetically similar to us, why aren't we all sexually attracted to our parents? Do you get this from a medical website? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, That has two answers. A, gross. Yeah. Gross. (laughs) So gross. But B, there is a theory called the Westermark effect, um, and it's also called reverse sexual imprinting. Love it. And basically what it means is that people who live in close domestic proximity for the first few years of their lives become desensitized to sexual attraction. So if you are raised by your biological parents and with your biological siblings, it kind of prevents you from wanting to bone. And that's really good because if it didn't, we would all be just so incestuous. Yeah. Be Game of Thrones all up in here. Absolutely. And again, I went on the record in the Purebred Dog episode that incest is bad. I made that claim. And you know what? We stand by it. I'm going to stand by it in this episode as We're well. going to go ahead and keep that train rolling. Right. So we, you and I, were raised by our biological parents and with our biological siblings. Mm-hmm. And that means that we are protected from sexual attraction to them. Ha <laughs> ha! High five. Nice. <laughs> One of the grossest high fives we've ever done. Yep. But that presents a problem because let's say you were not raised by people who are super genetically close to you. And then you meet these people. You are liable to want to bone down. What? Yeah. Why? Because they are so similar to you genetically and your interests. Yeah, Yeah, I get it. We want to bone our our close genetic relatives. It's just the Westermark effects that prevents us from doing it. I don't agree. <laughs> I disagree. No. But you did all the research on this I segment. did do it. So this phenomenon uh, came to light in the 70s and 80s. 
Around that time, adoption laws were being relaxed, and suddenly it was possible for adoptees to find their birth parents for the first time. And when these adoptees were meeting their birth parents, about 50% of them were experiencing some very confusing feelings. 50%? 50%. No. Yes. Namely, these people, both the parent and the child... Um, 50% of them were experiencing a borderline obsessive romantic and sexual attraction upon meeting. All 50% were borderline obsessive? Not all 50%, but it seems like it is a pattern where if, if you are wow. experiencing GSA, it is more likely to be an all-consuming, overwhelming, overwhelming semi-obsessive. Which that makes sense because at first you'd probably be like, no. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if it was just a feeling, you'd be like, ew, feeling, go away. But it would, like, maybe creep up on you to the point. Because, like, if it's something that you could ignore, we probably wouldn't be talking about it, because everyone would be like, ew, gross. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird one <clears throat> thought I had. Oh, well. Yep. Um, But no, yeah. 50%, and it's, like, an ex- it's a very extreme emotional reaction that these people have when they meet. The term genetic sexual attraction was coined by a woman named Barbara Gagno, who is also the founder of Truth Seekers in Adoption, a Chicago-based support group for adoptees and their newfound relatives. You might be wondering, Barbara, why did you feel the need to coin this term? Well, it was because in the early 80s, she had been recently reunited with a son she had given up for adoptions years before, and she was feeling a very intense sexual attraction to him. Whoa. Yes. So, um, oh, so it's 1979, and at age 42, Barbara Gagno is reunited with her adult son 26 years after she had given him up for adoption. And this is um, Barbara talking about the experience. Quote, Believe me, the state of arousal, which grew as I got to know him, was as erotic as anything I have felt for my husband. I wanted to get naked with Mitch. Mitch is her son. Um, I wanted to get naked with Mitch, feel his flesh against mine. The first time I hugged him, it beat any feeling I have experienced in my life. If he had felt the same way, I don't know if I could have stopped myself. But Mitch was very afraid of my feelings and wouldn't ever talk about any of this or how he felt. And she says now that what saved both her marriage and now she can have a pretty normal relationship as Mitch is that he refused to have sex with her. Kind of a bummer that that's the only reason. Yep. (laughs) But she's the person who has like totally, she is considered like, the world's expert on GSA. Um, and she believes that these really intense feelings are due to a missed bonding that would usually occur for a parent and child or for siblings. And all those feelings hit you really suddenly, plus the assortative mating that we talked about earlier. And it creates just this like super intense vortex. So it's like, it's not only I want to fuck people who look like me, but it's wow, you're my mom, like, you are the person who, like, brought me into the world and, like, all this mom feeling, but also, like, wow, you look like my ideal type and that you look just like me, like, But that part's, yeah, that part's not as cerebral, it's just, it's happening under the surface. Exactly. Ah! Um, so, Sweet Barbara Gagneau has written the only book on the subject of GSA, literally. There's one book. There's no other book? Yeah. And in a way, I really admire her for confronting this and being open about her feelings. Honestly, yeah. Right? Like, she's the, she was the only person. She named it and wrote the book on it and started the only foundation that deals with it. Like, And I know we've been, like, making noises 
this whole time, mostly me. But mm. that must suck. That must totally suck mm-hmm. to be experiencing that. Yeah. So, like, probably she gave a modicum of understanding to other people who are dealing with it because she wrote the book and was like, here's resources and here's my experience. Yeah. So I advise else, you not to sleep with your son. Yeah, don't do it. Um, And so that's, like, something that somebody might be able to turn to and find solace in if they're totally freaking out. Exactly. Um, So good for her. Right. We, um, we support anyone speaking their truth on this podcast. So true. As long as that truth isn't, like, racist or homophobic. Yeah. This isn't either of those. No. This is just a, a truth about an uncomfortable topic. Yep. Which is exactly. fine. Here's another wild passage from an interview she did with The Guardian, talking about her experience with GSA. Give me it. Quote, My behavior around him was atrocious. I was flirtatious, coquettish, and playful. When I was getting ready to see him, I primped and primed, becoming like a 16-year-old in mind and body. I was trying to win him over like someone I wanted to date or marry. At the beginning, the urge was less erotic, more like bonding with a newborn child. As with all my subsequent children, which she raised... I wanted to smell him, stroke, and run my fingers through his hair. I saw so much of myself in him, but he also reminded me strongly of his father, my first teenage love. But I was no longer looking for the baby. I wanted a relationship with the adult, the man. I wasn't Mitch's lover or girlfriend, and I couldn't be his mother because he had one, although he never allowed me to meet her. I felt like an intruder, unimportant and humiliated. Oh. Right? So, like, when you put it like that, you can almost empathize with Barbara Gagno in that, like, she's looking for a place in this guy's life. Yeah. And she's also, like, experiencing these, like, obsessive romantic feelings. Yeah. And, I mean, even if, like, GSA aside situations like this, not all of them, maybe some of them are really wonderful, but I can imagine it being very difficult just emotionally to cope with all of the feelings of guilt or, mm-hmm. you know, lost time or yeah. Not having a place in yeah, this yeah. person's Feeling life. like you've been replaced, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then on the other hand, like, oh my god, can you imagine being Mitch and you meet your birth mom and she literally wants to fuck you? I'm screaming. That's harder. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like, poor, like, in a way I'm like, poor Barbara that she's had to deal with these feelings, but in a way I'm like, poor Mitch and that he just wanted to meet his birth mom and now, like, This is happening. There's this whole foundation about how bad she wanted to bone down. Oh no. It's bad. That's your favorite, um, expression today. Yeah, well, I'm trying to keep it light. <laughs> so I think that one's more humorous than, like, commit incest. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Right? So, when these cases of GSA come to light, there is often a ton of media coverage about them because incest is a super taboo topic. Natch. So, like, although there has been no good academic research, there are a lot of, like, TMZ articles, which yes. is not good. That's not a good ratio. That's not science. Um, that's not science at all. But one of these kind of racy articles is how I initially found out about GSA, and it is through an article on The Cut called, What It's Like to Date Your Dad. How do you not click that? I know, and I did. Um, I read this a full three and a half years ago, and I literally still think about it pretty often. Yeah. That is how, like, mind-blowingly horrifying it was to me, and, like... (laughs) I remember you coming into my room and reading me most of it. I don't remember the details, so this is all kind of new to me, but I do remember it. Oh, I'm gonna read you the details again. Give me it. 
So, this is the story um, of an 18-year-old woman who is now dating her father after 12 years of estrangement. And I'm about to read hella excerpts. Give me those excerpts. So get ready. Are we um, ready out there? And she's anonymous in the article, so I don't know her name or her dad's name or, like, any details about them. That's fair enough. Which, yeah, fair. So, um, on her history with her dad, my parents had me when they were 18. They met in high school and I was conceived on prom night. They were serious for about six months, but broke up while my mom was still pregnant with me. My dad wasn't there when I was born. He briefly came back into my life when I was three or four, and I saw him on the weekends until I was about five. When I was 15, he emailed my mom saying he'd like to see me. I vividly remember the moment she told me. I said I missed him and wouldn't mind seeing him. Uh, She asked me how I could miss someone I hadn't been with for such a long time, but what I missed was a fatherly figure. My mom's always picked the wrong guy out of a crowd, and she's had a couple of divorces. I'm still not really close with my current stepfather, even though they've been together for 10 years. For whatever reason, my father and I didn't end up meeting for two more years, so there was no contact for 12 years. We were reunited when I was 17. So, like, that's a very, like, kind of sad story she paints of, like, Mm -hmm. really not being close with her dad. Like, in, in the longer article, it's clear that she and her mom are, like, not on good terms. Right. Um, but now we're going to talk about their instant connection. Okay. You wouldn't have believed we hadn't been around each other for 12 years. The idea of getting to know him seemed strange because we are so much alike. We shared the same favorite TV shows, The Simpsons and The Big Bang Theory, and we those both love to draw. Two terrible TV. I mean, The Simpsons <laughs> are okay, but like, those are your favorite TV shows? I'm sorry. This is getting off I know. the I can't... <laughs> That's, that's the most upsetting thing about this, that either of them would choose The Big Bang Theory as their favorite TV show. Okay. Come at me on Twitter. It was so weird and confusing. I was seeing my dad for the first time in forever, but it was also like, he's so good looking. And then I was like, what the hell are you thinking? What is wrong with you? I saw him as my dad, but then also part of me was like, I'm meeting this guy who I've been talking to over the internet and really connecting with, and I find him attractive. I'm also confused. Right? (laughs) Um, This is her on the escalation of their relationship. So, after staying with him for five days, we were play wrestling in the room I was going to sleep in, and I bit him. He was wearing a pair of basketball shorts and a tank top, and after I bit him, I could see goosebumps pop up from his toes to his shoulders. Then he pinched my inner thigh, and I got goosebumps. We stopped and said we didn't know what was going on, but admitted we had strong feelings for each other. We discussed whether it was wrong, and then we kissed. And then we made out, and then we made love for the first time. That was when I lost my virginity. I told him- I know. come on. I I, take back the Big Bang Theory thing. Thank you. I told him I wanted um, him to be the first person I made love to. We talked about how it could be awkward if it didn't end up working out. He also said that if I didn't feel comfortable at any point, I should tell him. There's a reason I lost my virginity to him, because I'd never felt comfortable with any other man. I've never been in a more passionate, loving, or fulfilling situation. So the thing that I'm confused about, the thing that, uh, the thing, uh, is that, like, all of that's great. Like, if you take a very specific element (laughs) out of it, it's like, great, you meet someone, you've had a troubled childhood. You have this instant connection. You have a great connection. There's positive consent going on here. You're both like, bazinga, let's do this. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, that is all great. Um, and then there's that one little element Yeah, that is uh, very important. He's your biological father. He's your dad. Yeah. Um, so that is kind of spoiling it. Yeah. 
And that's, so, like, this is what I'm talking about when early in the episode I said, like, unfair, uncomfortable power dynamics. Like, this is an 18-year-old woman, so she's legal, but she is clearly, like, had a troubled time growing up. She was missing a father figure, and now her father is coming into her life and, like, taking her virginity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As much as, so she's, like, totally consenting, like, into it, but... It still feels yucky. Yeah, it, it really does. And it's like, I don't want to strip the autonomy of her own consent away from her if yeah. she is an adult woman. Yeah. You know? Um, but just like when we were talking about Monica Lewinsky, like, Monica Lewinsky has always said, like, this relationship was consensual. Like, she's been very clear about that the whole time, consistently. But he was her boss and the president of the United States. And even she's come forward to say, like, even though I did consent to this activity, it was a very unfair power dynamic. And so that's, that's something that kind of raises an alarm bell for me. Because, like, even if you do choose to have sex with your boss, oh my god, having sex with your boss has something to do with my segment, too. Oh my god. Yeah, that's a common theme for this episode. Ring, ring. Sex Um, with people you shouldn't have sex with. Sex with your boss, don't do it. Um, but, yeah, like, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Let's get that on a (laughs) t-shirt. Um, so, yeah, no, I just... Yeah, it's... I lost my train of thought. It's It's bad. It's bad. Um, this is my last section I'm gonna say from her, and it's on the future. I'm planning a full-on wedding, but it won't be legally registered. And personally, I don't believe you need a piece of paper to prove that you want to be with the person you love. When you get married, you are signing part of yourself over to somebody. We'll tell everybody that we got our marriage license and they don't have to see it. One of our friends will act as the celebrant. We plan to move to New Jersey where we can be safe under the law since adult incest isn't illegal there. And once I'm there, I'll tell everyone. I'll call my mom and let her know that we are in love and we're having children. If she wants to see her grandkids, we'll send her money and she can drive to see us. Once we are all out about it, I won't be comfortable going back to my hometown. What if someone calls the cops? So this woman and her dad fiancé are planning to have biological kids together, which is troubling. Again, I've gone on record. Incest is bad. It's bad. It's bad emotionally, but it's also bad physically for your kids. Yep. Go back to the purebred dog episode, but just apply that to human beings. I'll tell everyone again to watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it doesn't work out in Game of Thrones. It's no good. Um, so the case of this woman and her dad fiancé is a worst case scenario where there is GSA attraction on both sides and they are both stupid slash swept up in their feelings enough to not only act on the sexual desire, but to marry and procreate with one another. Don't. This is like worst case scenario. But almost all GSA scenarios end badly. Um, One man told Barbara Gagno the story of his sexual relationship with his biological mother. Um, So this is her telling about that. He simply said, I slept with my mother. I was 21 when I found her. We were very much in love. After several years, it stopped. His mother had ended the relationships because it was too painful for her. She felt guilty and was afraid of being discovered. That was more than 10 years ago, and he said he'd not only lost his lover, but what was even more important, his mother. He said he had never regretted having sex with his mother, only that losing her was a high price to pay. So, like, like you were talking about how, like, horrifying and shameful these feelings must be, 
like, if you act on them, you can't be mom and son or dad and daughter or sibling and sibling anymore. Nope. 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 You lose each other in all ways. Because this is so sad and bad. I'm feeling so many things. I know. You were ready to just go yuck. And it is a yuck, but it's a complicated yuck. It is. It It is. is. So. We're cursed with empathy, you and I. I know. I know. God, I wish I could just float through life not caring about (laughs) other people. That would be so easy. We'll get there. (laughs) Hopefully someday. Um, So obviously, this is a big problem. Like I mentioned before, like, people estimate that in 50% of reunions between, like, people who were separated at birth, whether it be siblings or a parent and a child, these complicated feelings of GSA will occur. But there is not a lot of research about this because incest is such a taboo. No one wants to say, like, hi, I'd like to do my thesis paper on wanting to fuck my dad. Like, no one, no one's gonna do that. No one wants to put money and effort into this. And again, incest is bad. Don't have sex with your relatives. One more time for the cheap seats. (laughs) I just feel like I have to go on the record that that's my opinion. But the low-key most horrifying part of this story is that this is really happening to so many people and they have no resources and they're left with this awful shame. I agree. Or they totally run away together and get married and both are bad. I agree. I so agree just because the worst thing about all of this is that shame is keeping people from getting the help that they need. Yes. And shame is keeping people from reaching out to help others. Yes. That sucks. Yes. Um, Because this isn't anyone's fault. It doesn't sound like it's anyone's fault. No. You know what I mean? If you act on things, then you're making a choice. That's your fault. But um, that's, like, oh, that sucks. Like, it sucks that you would be in a situation and not be able, you know, like, removing this situation from what it actually is. Mm Mm-hmm. Just anyone who would feel so much shame that they can't reach out for something that they're struggling with that's happening to them mm-hmm. in their brains and their bodies, something that they can't control. Yeah. That's shitty. It's awful. And not to amp up the level of horrifying, but it's also a little bit of a ticking time bomb situation that there's no research on this. No, because what? since the 70s and 80s, the 90s and early 2000s, what's really been on the rise, Allie? in vitro fertilization. There are so many babies being born that are not being raised by their genetic parent. That's true. That it's always the plan for them not to be raised by their genetic parent. And these people might all grow up and form an obsessive love with this slightly older person and not even realize it is their biological mom, dad, or sibling. And so much incest might happen. Right. Because they're Without just, them even knowing. Yes, because they're just going to meet this person and be like, wow, I have this insane connection with you. Yep. And it's going to be bad. That must have been what happened with Oedipus. Yeah. Literally. Th- this is a straight Oedipus scenario. Yeah. He meets this older lady, and he's like, a witch or somebody, I don't remember the whole story, mm-hmm. like, said that I was going to... Fuck my mom. Fuck my mom. You're not my mom, though. No, you're just this hot older lady who looks just like me. Let's bone down. Let's do it. <laughs> you love that. It lightens the mood, Allie. Does it? I feel terrible. <laughs> I know, me too. So, let's all agree that we need to research more about GSA, even though it's yucky. We gotta do it, still. Because we have to pre- prevent shame, and we also have to prevent incest. Because it's bad, as we've said. <laughs> 
It's not a good thing. I don't want any quotes floating around the internet <laughs> out of context here, all right? Um, do you remember that scene in the Scooby-Doo movie where Fred is yelling at this newswoman and he goes, you're going to make it sound like I think Coolsville sucks. And then they cut to the news and it's Fred going, I think Coolsville sucks. Yep. That's what I think is going to happen with this yeah. episode. I agree. I agree. I'm worried. I'm worried, but that's GSA. That's all I have to say about it. That's all I want to say about it. That's all I want to think about it. But I'm going to keep thinking about it. I've been thinking about it for three and a half years. And with that, <laughs> we draw your segment to a close. <laughs> That was crazy. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're, oh you're welcome. What a ride. You're yeah, welcome. You're, you're, thanks. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's me. We can we can move on to you. You want to talk about something else? And the thing I don't know anything about. Let's do it. Mine's also a little medically, a little psychology I I had so much fun talking to you all about the Milgram experiment that I figured I'd just do another psychology segment. Fun. You know, why not? Don't you just love it? This one has less Nazis. Oh, good. Um, well, actually, I won't say that because you never really know. It's 2018. Absolutely. You never know so. where a, a surprise Nazi might be lying in wait. Yep, that's the horror of living in the now. So let me set the stage. It is 1919, and we're at John Hopkins University in Baltimore, Maryland. We see a nerdy, milk toast white man with glasses approaching. Are you there? Seems like every man attending John Hopkins University. In 1919, correct. Yeah. This man is John B. Watson. He sucks. And just by looking at him, you can tell that he sucks. Mm, I have an image. <laughs> Good. I want us all to just be there. Mm, to be in this quad looking at this shitty, shitty man. I bet his eyes are kind of beady. They are. Mm. They are. I knew it. So, John Watson is a graduate professor of psychology at John Hopkins who specialized in animal behavior and had a particular fascination with the Pavlovian concept of conditioning. So, that was like his shtick. Oh, is he going to condition people? Can you not? <laughs> I'm already tired of him. We're gonna get there. I'm sick of it. <laughs> You're sick of mine? No. You're sick of mine two minutes in, I'm and I just listened to you talk about GSA for half an hour. You heard me say bone down 11 times. Oh my god. <laughs> you just sit her down, Buttitch. Um, so he was into conditioning, where I, I'm just gonna quickly define what Pavlovian conditioning is. That's the concept, or that's the experiment where animals were trained to salivate at the ring of a bell because they were fed when the bell rang. And so that concept of, you know, positive, not positive meaning good, positive meaning being given something mm -hmm. in response to a stimulus rather than being deprived something, that's very important. That positive stimulus leading to an, a conditioning of a subject is Pavlovian conditioning. Mm -hmm. And we all know that. That's, even if you didn't take AP Psych. Yeah. Everybody knows that one. Pavlov's dogs are really famous. Yeah. So he was really into that, and he was also really into plowing his 21-year-old grad assistant, Rosalie. Oh, God. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna make fun of me for bone down, but you're gonna come out of the gate with plowing. <laughs> <laughs> Rosalie, Rosalie, her name was Rosalie Rayner. Ooh! So we share a last name. Are you related? Um, maybe. Oh my god, I have to do more of your ancestry tree on Ancestry.com. Yeah, maybe I'd find her and fall madly in love. Oh. Um, but our names are spelled differently, and furthermore, I've never fucked any of my teachers, so. Uh. Not for lack of trying, wink. <laughs> um, so he's reading about Pavlovian conditioning, studying animal behavior. He was promoted to the chair of psychology to- uh, 
He was promoted to chair of the psychology department in 1908, so he has this inflated sense of ego, and he's continuing to cheat on his wife with a 21-year-old. Oh, of course he's married. So everyone's coming up John B. Watson. Am I right? I get to chair the psychology department and have an affair. The American dream is realized. Um... But it's not quite enough. He decides he really needs to do his own thing and make his own mark on the field of psychology. And he's been reading so much about conditioning that he's like, hey, as you said, why don't we just do this with humans? No, because it's ethically dubious, John. I know. But don't worry. He takes this idea in a totally different direction. I don't believe you, but okay. And he thinks to himself, no, John, that's silly. Why condition humans when you could condition baby humans? (laughs) Oh, God. So he rolls over in bed, he taps Rosalie on the shoulder, she's na- she's in some 1920s negligee, I'm Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Her boobs are so pointy. Yeah. She's wearing, like, pointy yes. lipstick. And she says, John, my love, that's a great idea. You're a genius. <laughs> um, so they gotta find a baby, pronto. Um, and they end up taking a baby from the hospital at Johns Hopkins. When and you say taking a baby? <laughs> a good question. What baby did they take? <laughs> yeah. I'll explain that later. No. <laughs> Do they tell the baby's mom? That's for me to know and you to find out. I bet they don't. Keep going. Um, but anyway, they found this baby and they decided to call him Little Albert. Ugh. He was also known as Albert B. So they have this baby. It's in a lab. Like, try to picture this. You're alone with a baby in a lab <laughs> with your mistress. <laughs> <laughs> Romantic. Is this science? <laughs> History says yes. Um... <laughs> So basically what they did was they tried to condition fear into this baby. Why did they choose fear? They picked it. <laughs> Do that. It's a Using Pavlo- the Pavlovian method of conditioning. So they would show him something cute and soft and fluffy, which babies like, and frankly, which I like. Yep. Um, and whenever he would go to touch it, they would bang a metal pole against a hammer to scare the shit out of him. What the hell? Why would you do that? I don't know. What are you going to scientifically learn from scaring <laughs> one baby? Um, I was oh, a nanny for so many years, and this just didn't work. I'm God. just kidding. I'm a good nanny. Um, <laughs> so they did this enough times that any time they showed him something white and fluffy, he would freak the fuck out. Oh, baby. Um, like, oh, he would God. eventually just scream anytime he saw anything fluffy. So, like, they were trying to prove, I don't remember what it's called, but it's, like, generalized conditioning or something, something like that. Mm -hmm. That's, like, you know, if you're conditioned to be scared of a bunny, you're also scared of a gerbil. I don't know. Because it's similar. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, So it's, like, a generalized thing. And I think that's more of a thing when you're younger, Mm -hmm. also. So they're uh, torturing this child. Yep, Absolutely. (laughs) And supposedly it's fine because they will eventually remove the conditioned fears um, with science. With science. How will they do that? Unclear. Mm. (laughs) But the most important thing you need to know is that eventually the mom or family of this baby finds out what's happening and removes him from the study before they do that. So the baby just leaves the study after being... After having a psychotic marching band behind him for months. Okay, but, like, frankly, if I found out that my baby was being ritually tortured by a man in his side piece... Yeah. I do think... I would not wait for him to explain, oh, no, 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 we're almost done. Yeah, when that man said to me, like, we're gonna do this more, but it will fix it, I'd be like, instead, what if I take my child and... Move to Arkansas. Yeah, move far away. Yeah. I... Fuck. 
I mean, this is no one's fault but John B. Watson's. Yeah, it's his bad. Um, Rosalie's not helping. She's not helping. She's not an I advocate agree. for this baby right now. I agree. Um, so you said before, who's this baby? There are two main theories as to who this baby is. We don't um, know who the baby is. No. Um, one is that his real name was Douglas Merritt, son of Arvilla Merritt, who was a wet nurse at the hospital. Remember, this is the 1920s. I was like, wet nurse? <laughs> um, so that story kind of charts that the mom sort of knew about it, but was pressured to participate because it's like the 1920s and she had a low paying job at this hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and Douglas Merritt who's an actual person who we know exists, Yeah, had many health problems and died from hydrocephalus at the age of six. So that's very sad. Oh. Um, but a more recent study posits that little Albert was not Douglas Merritt, but was in fact William Albert Barger. So the baby was identif- identified as Albert B. So if this baby went by his middle name, mm-hmm. Albert B would be an accurate name for this child. Ah. So that made a little bit more sense. They were born within a day of each other, so they're the same age. And his mother was also an employee at the hospital around that time. So if it's the former theory, like, that makes the study even more unethical because, in theory, this was an experiment performed on a mentally stable and healthy child. But if, you know, if the child was actually Douglas Merritt and already that child was having health problems... Yeah. That's... Even more. I mean, it's all just, like, mm-hmm. adding to the total pile of shit that this dude is. Mm-hmm. Um, and his side piece, as we said. But Absolutely. it's, like, marginally better if it's William Barger, but it's not. Oh, God. Um, so William Albert Barger um, lived to the ripe old age of 87. That's good. Um, but I thought this was interesting. A niece told researchers that his whole family knew of his particular dislike, even fear, of dogs. Mm. So interesting. That doesn't mean anything. Not necessarily. But <laughs> I guess. Or does it mean everything? Or does it mean everything? I'm afraid of dogs, and I don't think my mom like looked the other way <laughs> for you to be tested upon. Or I was afraid of dogs. I'm not afraid of dogs anymore. Proud of you. I love dogs. Send me pictures of your dog. So Watson publishes a bunch of books and articles about this, and he's like the founder of behaviorism. And Ugh. his wife leaves him, and he marries Rosalie. Who dies, like, six years after that because Aww. she gets dysentery from eating a piece of fruit. That's true. Wow. Interesting. Uh, sorry, honey. Um, and also, they raise their kids with behaviorist principles. Don't. And then both of them try to commit suicide in their lives. Oh, gosh. Um, and then later, they're like, yeah, it was because of the way we were parented. Because I think people were like, well, that could be a coincidence. And they were like, it's not. <laughs> Good for them that they were like, it's our parents. because but. of the way that we were parented. Um, and Watson never really gets over Rosalie's death and dies sad and alone, which is no less than he deserves. That's good. The end. Wow. Poor little Albert. This is a quick one. Yeah. And anyone who John Watson talked to. Yeah. Or raised. Yeah. And John Watson's wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My God. And his first couple of kids. Mm-hmm. And Rosalie even a little. She's only 21. Yeah. She- we all love stupid people. Oh, yeah. At some point in our life. But... Yeah, that whole story just sucks so bad. Yeah, and not only was it wildly unethical, but it was, like, a totally shit experiment. Yeah. There was one test subject and no control subject. That's not helpful at all. Um, like, the Milgram experiment was whack, but they had control subjects. <laughs> and I wouldn't call the Milgram experiment unethical. I don't know. Would you? I think at the time it was not unethical. Yeah. I, I don't know Would that- you think it was unethical now? 
What's unethical about it? I guess afterwards, do they explain to people what just happened? And say, like, you didn't kill anyone, just so you know. I don't know, but I would assume. I would assume that. I think if that exists, then fine. Yeah. Then it's fine. Because he did the thing. Yeah. We're not even talking about this baby anymore. I don't have anything to say about little Albert. It's just a bummer. I know. Did you ever hear about, kind of like a set, like the opposite, but like the same as little Albert, is there was this guy, and he brought like uh like a chimpanzee baby into his house yes yes because he was trying to like raise it as human yes and like it was kind of working but also his real baby was starting to act like a chimpanzee because it was being raised along a chimp so he was like oh we have to give away the chimpanzee son because my real son's a chimpanzee oh that's sad yeah it was sad that's like oh you know what that's like what ai the movie ai oh my god it is like ai oh shut up everything comes back to ai <laughs> I love that movie. We should watch that and The Matrix because we've talked about them both a few times. A couple pod. of times, yeah. yeah. God, poor little Albert. Poor everyone who experiences GSA. Yeah, poor Barbara. Poor Barbara Gagno. Poor Mitch. Poor what it's like to date your dad, girl. She's out there. They're probably married now. It's Please been don't have three kids. and a half years. Oh. She's gonna. Hmm. She's, she probably has one. Oh, no. Don't do that. <sighs> God, I wish The Cut would do, like, an updated article. Like, I married my dad. <laughs> Anyone from The Cut is listening. <laughs> oh, I'm begging you. Do this one thing for us. Contact this woman. She probably lives in New Jersey now. You have a lead. So that's that. We did it. We did it. Do you want to, are you cautiously optimistic about anything this week? I am, Sam. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic uh, because we have a little surprise for you. <gasps> you guys. You guys, we have a little surprise for you. But, suspense, suspense, we're not going to tell you what it is until the next episode. Uh, you guys! You guys, we're so excited. Um, so we have something to announce, but we're not announcing it until no. next week. So you have to listen. Yes. Next week. You have to listen next week. To episode 27? To episode 27. Oh my god. This is episode 26. Did we say that at the beginning? We didn't. It doesn't. They know what's up. Um, but what do you think the surprise is, you guys? Tweet at us. Oh my Let god. Let us know what you think it is. Should we give them a hint? What's a good hint? Can't think of one. I thought Fraser was a good hint. <laughs> do you think that is? It is. Is it too obvious? Um, what if we just go like, the salad or scramble <laughs> I don't even get that reference. It's the theme song. Is it? Yeah. It's the end of the theme song. That seems too hard. <laughs> it's a very famous theme song. All right, let's leave this all in. Um, so, you know, until next episode, stay horrified. Stay horrified.